welcome to RUF. I'm so glad to see you tonight. My name's Jeff Lee. I'm the campus minister for RUF, uh, which means that I work on campus full-time. I often say it's sort of like missionaries get sent overseas uh, to plant churches and to build communities and bring the gospel to bear in the places where they're sent. Uh, pastors are sent to churches that you see populating this city. Well, just in God's timing, uh, I've been sent here to FAU to minister on campus full-time. Uh, not just myself, but we have a team. Um, Jasmine Mortalero, who's in the back there waving, is also uh, on, on campus full-time, as well as Kanan and, and his wife Charlotte, who is somewhere. There she is. Uh, so you'll see, you'll see the four of us on campus uh, throughout the week. Uh, we're here to serve you. We're here to help you in this season of life during college to help you grow in your walk with Christ. We want to get to know you. We want to be a resource for you. My wife, Jenny, is also in the back. So if you, <laughs> if you, if you stick around, if RUF becomes a place that's home for you, uh, you will often, we often have students in our house. My wife loves to cook. We love to have students in our house, in our home, uh, to kind of be home away from home. So I'm, I'm really delighted that you're here tonight. I know that the first week back, there's a ton of activities. I know it's an overwhelming season. Some of you have just moved on to campus for the first time, and you're still trying to navigate your way around the campus. I know that there's a ton of distractions, and you're getting used to having a roommate. Some of you are thinking about graduation and what the next season of life looks like. So I know that this is a season that has a ton of stuff going on in your mind, and it's really a privilege that you would join us tonight. Uh, every week for RUF, we'll be in this room uh, doing this every week because we think this is so formative as God calls us as a community of believers to worship, to study his word, and to grow in our faith. And so we don't just do that here, but also throughout the week in small group Bible studies and one-on-one -on -one conversations, uh, conferences and trips and all types of service opportunities. We really want to create within RUF a community, a place where you can find friends who will sharpen you and who will help you grow in a place that will be uh, just hopefully a place that's a spiritual blessing for you. So uh, glad you're here. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open it to Matthew chapter 13, or if you have that paper, uh, it's printed on the, the sheet for you. This semester, every night, as you, or every Wednesday night this semester, we're going to be looking at one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at either a parable or a miracle that, uh, of, from Jesus Think about the parables or the stories that Jesus would tell that would give us a, a window, an insight into what it means to be a follower of Christ, to be a, a member of the kingdom of God. And obviously the miracles that he performed gives us great insight into who he is as our Savior. And so tonight we're going to look at a parable. Uh, parables are one of Jesus' favorite forms of teaching. They're these, there's these simple little stories that have lifelike details that lodge in your mind and that just cause you to think about it and reflect on it. The simplicity of them are part of the genius because they just get stuck in your mind and they cause you to think and to reflect on who God is and what his kingdom is like. So tonight we have a very short one. Let me just read these couple verses for us. Matthew chapter 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. 
Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight with your word open before us, and we ask that you'll open our hearts, that you'll make us sensitive to your spirit, that you'll apply these truths to our lives, and that even as we sit here tonight and as we leave this room, that we'll leave transformed because of your work through your word by the power of your spirit in our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So, so whether this is your your first semester or your last semester, I want to make an argument to you that, that you and all of us together, you are on a quest. You are on a quest in search of something that will give your life a sense of meaning and purpose. Because you and I are created in God's image, because God is the one who's created us, there's something embedded in the heart of all humans that have a longing to make sense of the life in which we live. We're different than the trees that sit out here that just exist and then they die. Our existence in this world is born into it with this reality of a drivenness of trying to figure out what is the purpose and the meaning for which we are here. And I want to argue to you tonight that from this passage in Matthew 13, Jesus is making a very bold statement to us that the longings of your heart the longings of my heart, the longings of our heart can only truly be found when we find our rest in Christ and understand the beauty of his kingdom. This pursuit that we feel within our hearts will only truly be satisfied when we can finally rest in Christ and understand the beauty of what it means to be part of his kingdom. That quest that you're on often looks like a search for love, or a search for wealth, or a search for prestige and honor. It's something that drives you to make sense of it. And here tonight, we encounter two people, two men, who are on this search and discover a treasure of enormous value. So the first thing I want you to see tonight, the kingdom of heaven, according to this parable, the kingdom of heaven is of eternal value. Very simple point, the kingdom of heaven is of eternal value. Now let's just admit, like right off the bat, like when you read verse 44 and Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, we need to pause and just think about that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, because that's not language that we just use in our day-to-day life. Often when you think about heaven, you often probably only think of heaven as the place that, well, that people go when they die. And maybe you've seen the images and the pictures of like angels with harps and it's kind of spooky and maybe kind of weird. And you're like, I don't really know what to do with that. But if hell's the alternative, heaven looks better. So I guess we'll go with that. Like, how do we understand the kingdom of heaven? Jesus is arguing, not just in this passage, but throughout the gospels, that his life, his death, burial, and resurrection has ushered in a new kingdom that's defined as the kingdom of heaven that exists even here on earth for those who are in relationship with him. In other words, the kingdom of heaven isn't just a future hope. It's a present reality right now in this world that Jesus has ushered in in our lives. And he says that to obtain this kingdom, to be a member of this kingdom, to find yourself as part of the kingdom of heaven, as the part of the kingdom that he has ushered in, is of such enormous value that it's like a person who found this incredible treasure willingly goes and sells everything in order to obtain it. Or like this merchant in search of a fine pearl, goes and sells everything 
because he recognizes the enormous value of this pearl. The kingdom of heaven is of such eternal value is what he's arguing to us. Later in the New Testament, there's another writer named Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. And in the book of Philippians, he gives a resume of his life. He gives a resume of his religious life. Now, I know most of you, as you applied to college, you had to submit a a resume of all the things that you did. Here's your GPA. Here's your test scores. Here's all of your extracurricular activities, your volunteer hours that a lot of maybe you did and you didn't really care about it, but you did it to put it on the resume, right? Because what are you doing? You're doing all of this work in order to prove to a university, I'm worth it. I belong here. You should accept me. Here's who I am. The Apostle Paul in the first century said that he was on the same quest in a religious fashion, in a religious format. And he details in this letter all of his religious credentials that would cause any religious person in the first century to go, who can compete with this guy? He's amazing. He would be admitted to the Ivy League of the religious schools if there were such a thing in the first century. He was the top of the top. But something remarkable happened. Christ got a hold of his heart, and he understood the kingdom of God and all of its fullness in his relationship with Christ. And he says this, that for the sake of my relationship with Christ, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count it as rubbish. It's garbage. Everything that I've been seeking after in order that I might find Christ. He saw the eternal value of the kingdom of heaven. Here's why this matters. Because every one of us is operating according to a certain set of beliefs, principles, or hopes of a kingdom that's offering a form of salvation that's only going to sell you short and wear you out and leave you broken apart from Christ. Can I give you just a couple of examples? Uh, I was thinking of my, a little bit of my own story, not in detail, but also about probably some of you can relate to this. What about the kingdom of athletics? Think of the honor, the wealth, the prestige that is offered for those who will sacrifice everything to make it to the top. That if you can put together the resume and the athletic prowess to finally make it to be one of the best, you could finally achieve what you've always longed for and only to have one injury to leave you sidelined, one bad break to leave you desperate. And all of a sudden, all of those dreams leave you completely shattered. Or maybe you make it to the top and you ask the question, am I only valued because I can play this game? Is that all that it's worth? Or what about the kingdom of beauty? The perfect figure, the strict diet, the endless workout, this, this quest for a feeling of perfection to only have that one thing that you can't quite figure out. And it leaves you empty and broken and wondering, is this what life is all about? Jesus is offering to all of us a kingdom far surpassing anything that this world offers. And he says it is of such eternal value that it makes everything else in this world pale in comparison. So the kingdom of heaven, it's of eternal value. Here's the second thing now. The kingdom of heaven is not just of eternal value. The kingdom of heaven is something that's accessible. The kingdom of heaven is is something that's available and accessible. Notice again, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like this treasure that was hidden in a field and a man found it. 
It's there. He discovered it. Or he goes in verse 45, verse 46, about this, this merchant looking for fine pearls, and he finally finds the one of great value. And he, can't, he, he sells everything to obtain it. But what is he saying? Not only that the kingdom of heaven is of eternal value, but the kingdom of heaven, well, he says it's accessible. It's there, and it's available for you. I don't know if you've had a chance to think about this just as I'm reading it, but there's something about this parable that just lodges in your mind, right? Like, can you imagine, can you picture this guy walking home one day, taking the shortcut across this dusty field that he probably took every day, and this one particular day, he trips in this pothole, and as he's laying on the ground, dusting himself off, looking around, did anybody see me in this kind of embarrassing moment, dusting off his pants and looking down at the ground and realizing there's something there that doesn't belong? It's not natural, and he starts to dust away the, the dirt and realize that there's something here that looks like a wooden crate, and he starts to, to move everything away, and his heart rate starts to pick up because he's realized this is somebody's probably their treasure. Now he's looking around to see, is, has anybody discovered what I'm about to find? Does anybody else know that it's here? And he comes and he opens this, this box, and he discovers that somebody has buried their life savings in the ground, which was common in the first century. There weren't banks that you could deposit it in. If you were worried about somebody discovering your treasure, you would bury it in a field. And here he finds this treasure of enormous value. To take it would be stealing because he knows it doesn't belong to him. And so he goes and he sells everything in order to buy the field and then have the rights to this treasure. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like that treasure. It's there. It's been there all along, and people have been walking by it every day. I don't know why, but for some reason, every once in a while, I'll get in like the, like a weird like loop of like YouTube videos. And so this, this summer, I got into like a weird loop of like these undercover videos of like famous people disguising themselves and going out into real life. I don't know if you've seen any of these. Maybe you've seen this, this particular video. I don't know why this one just cracked me up, but there was this middle-aged man who kind of looks slightly overweight in Spain, walks out into this courtyard area with a soccer ball. And it's just this like courtyard area, this plaza where there's like people eating and drinking coffee and having conversations. And it's just this, this idyllic looking scene. And here comes this man with a soccer ball that's completely out of place, kind of dribbling it around, kicking it against the wall. And you can see people's reactions of like, what is this awkward man doing? This is so weird. And he starts to kick it around, and he kicks it to a couple of people, and a couple of people kick it back. And finally, as, he, as somebody starts to engage with him, they realize, like, he's actually got some pretty good skill. Like, what is the story here? And finally, a little kid walks up and starts to play soccer with him, and they're going back and forth, and they're having a great time, and he can take it no longer. And he, like, pulls the pillow out from under his shirt, and he takes the, the makeup and the mask that's been covering his face, and it's Cristiano Ronaldo has been in this courtyard trying to play soccer with people, and in his disguise, nobody knew who he was. And all of a sudden, these people who were looking at him like, this guy is so weird, are now flocking to him with their phones trying to take a picture with him because they discovered he was here. I wonder, what was the guy's conversation like who saw the YouTube video later that was like, I could have played soccer with Ronaldo, and I just walked right by him, completely oblivious to what was happening. He was right there. And Jesus is telling us in this passage, the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's available, 
It's accessible. It's for you. And the good news is, God's not hiding it. He's not trying to disclose it so that you can't find it. In fact, he's making it as abundantly clear as you could possibly imagine. You see, the problem isn't that God's hid it. The problem is that in our sinful nature, we can't see it. In our sinful nature, our mind has been clouded, our eyes have been darkened, and we don't see the value for what it really is. And we have a disposition that magnifies the kingdoms of this world and the treasures of this world, completely overlooking what Christ has obtained for us. So here's the final question. If the kingdom of heaven is of eternal value and if it's really accessible, then the question is, how do I obtain it? How do I get this kingdom of heaven so that I can make this thing that we're reading about truly mine? Enjoy these men go and sell everything they have to obtain this treasure. The point isn't that you should go and sell everything to earn God's favor. The point is that God's favor is worth any sacrifice that it would cost. Because in his love and in his mercy and in his kindness, the story of God's word from the beginning to the end is the story of how God has been pursuing his people seeking to draw them into relationship with himself. That time and time again throughout the pages of Scripture, God's people have been running from him. And time and time again throughout Scripture, the story is repeatedly of God and his grace and his mercy pursuing those who are running away from him in order to restore and to redeem. That reality reaches its fullness and its climax in the ministry of Jesus. When you realize that Jesus went to a cross to die a death that you and I deserve in order to give you and I the life that we could never earn, you realize that at the cross, you, you, you discover two things. You discover the depth of your sin, but you also discover the depth of God's love. Think about the depth of our sin. Our sin was so great that it wasn't as if God is saying, like, you know, if you could just say another prayer, then I'll be happy. If you could just give a little more money, then it'll be good. If you could just do a little more good than bad, in the end, it'll all even itself out. No, God said that the problem is so bad. I'm going to send my son onto this earth to live the perfect life that you can't live and to die a death that you deserve and that I deserve because that's what our sin deserves. And at the same time, the cross also displays for us the magnitude of God's love. How far will God go to love his people? How much of a sacrifice would you make for somebody on campus that you don't know? How much money would you put towards their tuition? How much would you go out of your way to ensure their success? If God in his grace and mercy would send his only son to die on a cross so that we might find life, well, then you see that his love is of such eternal and enormous value that he says this is what he's willing to go to in order to purchase redemption for you and for me. Jesus is the only one who can stand before God and say, I've paid the price I've purchased salvation. And for those who are united to me by faith are those who are willing recipients as well. And so it's clear from God's word that salvation, while it's a free gift and costs us nothing, one of the marks of salvation is a willingness to sacrifice everything in order to be found in the kingdom of God. 
Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. To take up your cross means that, that you simply hold all of life with an open hand and all that I have, I'm willing to sacrifice in order to be found in right standing with God. Not to earn his favor, but because you have his favor. Some of you I know already this week in your first week of college have been faced with difficult decisions, tempting situations, Places that are like a fork in the road where you're trying to decide, am I going to do this or am I going to do that? Am I going to be faithful or am I going to walk a different path than the one that I know that God's word is calling me to? And if anything, Matthew 13 is calling us to see isn't that faithfulness earns God's favor, but it's that because God's favor rests on his people, well, then he calls us to willingly sacrifice anything in order to be found in right standing with him. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. That when a man finds it, in his joy, he sells everything in order to obtain that field. I think of the analogy like this. I say this in closing. One of my favorite things about college ministry is I get to do a lot of weddings. Uh, and one of the things I love about doing weddings, I also love it when, it's, when there's RUF students who are getting married. It's one of the most fun parts of being a campus minister. When you see a bride and a groom, or you would see the bride walking down the aisle, right? The groom's already down there. But when you see this bride and this groom standing there about to exchange wedding vows, what are they doing? They're declaring their love for one another that they've forsaken all other relationships because of the love that they have for one another. They're willing to sacrifice everything for this love that they've experienced with each other. It would be so weird to hear a groom say to the bride, like, look at all the money I paid to get you. You'd be like, that's weird. Like, you can't earn somebody's love that way, right? But isn't it a completely different thing whenever he says, all that I have is yours? Everything that's in my bank account, everything that's in my, like, all that I have is yours. And the same for her. It's not that the surrender is what purchases love. It's because of the love that's been found, there's a willingness to surrender all, to be found in right relationship with this person. How much more so with God? Jesus is calling us to sacrifice, to hold with open hands everything, not to earn his favor, but because he's gone to a cross in order to die the death that we deserve, to purchase the life that we need. Well, Jesus then tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure that when it's found, we sacrifice anything in order to be found with him. Let me pray for us. Our Lord and our God, as we think about this word, I pray for my friends who are here tonight. I think about the difficulties and the challenges and the temptations that we face uh, each and every day. And God, I pray that your favor will be upon all of us this semester and this year. God, I pray that you'll give us eyes to see the treasure that's truly ours in the kingdom of heaven because of the work that Christ has done for us. And God, will you make us willing to hold with open hands all that we have, that we might be found faithful in your kingdom, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.